most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? I got five dollars. This is a run to the left. How many tackles can one man break? <laughs> You're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable. Humans need fantasy to be human. Ooh, my goodness, that was good. You guys are pros. Relentless, refusing to give up. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. Welcome to the Action Network Fantasy Flex Podcast here on the Fantasy Flex feed. I am your host, Chris Raybon, joined by my guy, Sean Kerner. And and on this pod, we are going to talk some waiver ads. We're going to talk our uh, instant reactions to week one, and we'll give you some Monday Night Football player props as well. So Sean, what's going on, man? How was your week one? It was it was pretty eventful. Um, got a lot of things right, got a few things wrong, and just there's so many surprises that happen. You know, the 49ers running back situation, um, just pure chaos. But I love it. I'm happy football's back. Uh, how about you? How was your week one? Uh, it was it was pretty profitable. Um, you know, obviously there was a couple there were a couple of things like I wish I could take back, like Marcus Callaway. Um, you 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 were on top of that with Jair <laughs> Alexander. I mean, I just didn't throw a lot in that game either. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know that so that one wasn't great. I was I, I even after talking down Kyle Pitts all like all season, like I ended up uh, using him on DraftKings. So that that didn't go great either. But overall, um, betting profitable week one. Um, DFS still profitable. And uh, and yeah, so we're, I'm excited now that we have some data. We'll, we'll talk a lot about usage and snaps and routes and and who everyone should pick up. Um, but I want to start, and we'll go. Let's go position by position here uh, on the Fantasy Flex Podcast, presented by Prize Picks. I want to start by just asking you about some quarterbacks who I think people want to know the reactions because they would, they are, they have to kind of start them. So. Aaron Rodgers, was I just a year too early on this Aaron Rodgers is done thing? Or is this just a product of New Orleans having that really great coaching staff all year to prepare because, or was it because of this, you know, the chaos that happened with Rodgers and maybe he's, he's not as into it. Maybe there was like, is it, there was there some kind of letdown after coming so close and maybe now it's just a combination. Like what the hell happened with Aaron Rodgers in that 38 to three loss? Yeah, I'm still trying to figure out as well. Um, it, it's probably his worst start of his career, right? It had to be. I mean, right up there with the Tampa Bay and, and San Francisco so, fiascos over the last couple yeah, of years. Yeah, yeah, those were fun too. But you knew right away it was not meant to be. And, yeah, I just think with Rodgers, I think a lot of the offseason stuff, um, it makes you wonder if that's what, what's leading to this. You know, he wants out of there at the end of the year. So I would assume it is playing a role, but – um, you know, I had the under on this game because they moved it to Florida and, you know, Green Bay is a cold weather team. I thought that could have an impact and maybe that did have a bigger impact than people think. Um, but they just did not look right. I do think, you know, they'll get it. They'll write the ship this week against the Lions. If they struggle this week against Lions, that's the time to really start to consider, um, you know, the, the offseason probably did really set the Packers back a ton. Um, but I'm not panicked quite yet. Uh, I think we can just kind of like forget that game ever happened when it comes to guys like Aaron Jones, uh, Devontae Adams. Um, I think if you can buy low on them now, you know, maybe there's an owner out there that, um, you know, wants to get rid of them. So um, I'm not panicking quite yet, but it does make you think that the offseason stuff could be making an impact. 
So I agree with everything you said right there, except the word if, because the Packers are absolutely getting right against the Lions. I have the numbers in front of me from that Lions game against the 49ers. And this was with you know, Brandon Ayuk not at full strength. This was with Jimmy Garoppolo coming back from an injury. The 49ers completed 18 of 26 passes and averaged 11.5 yards per attempt. Okay. The, the, the Packers have a better quarterback and a better number one receiver. Debo Samuel put up a Devontae Adams line. Like a Ty- Debo Samuel looked like Tyreek Hill. The Lions made Debo Samuel look like Tyreek Hill in week one. This is the get right spat, spot for the pack. Don't worry about Rodgers. Uh, next quarterback is Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill looked, and that whole offense looked pretty bad. They couldn't run with Henry. Uh, was that just kind of a product you think of the Cardinals playing Henry well? Because we know Tannehill relies on a play action. Was it, I, I'm, I don't, I hesitate to say it's Arthur Smith because Arthur <laughs> Smith got the doors blown off of his new squad uh, as a favorite uh, by on at home by Philadelphia and a quarterback that no one thought could throw. So, I mean, what's going on with Tannehill? Uh, personally, I think it had a lot to do with Taylor Juan uh, coming back from injury. Yeah, that and, you know, Chandler Jones had a good game. Um, it, this game was a mess. And, you know, the past couple years I've bet against Ryan Tannehill and failed miserably. And then I start backing him up going into the season and then he fails miserably. So I can't get Ryan Tannehill right for the life of me. Um, but I think, you know, he will bounce back this week. And if you can buy low on him, I would do that as well. Um, but it, it, that game was definitely concerning to see. Um, I saw Vrabel called out Julio Jones today. So things could start to get messy there. But, you know, I'm, I'm fading the week one noise. And I think this is a situation we still want, you know, Derrick Henry. We still want A.J. Brown. We still want Julio Jones when he's healthy. Um, so I try to buy low on these guys if you can. Yeah, it's not going to be as easy matchup as you think against the, the Seahawks this week. Uh, you know, they do play – they played good run defense, and they they played decently on the uh, on the back end as well. So um, – but one of the higher total games of the week, start Ryan – you're still starting Ryan Tannehill this week. We have another week with Julio. Um, and then Josh Allen, I don't think we need to spend much time on him. That's no. a tough matchup against uh, Pittsburgh, right? Like, that's, that's about – uh, all the yeah, reasons. yeah, and he, I mean, he was airing it out. He just missed on some balls. Um, the Josh Allen, he could be more inconsistent than we saw last year, but I, I think he's just ready to break out. Um, I've been kind of fiddling with week one, uh, week two projections, and he's my number one quarterback right now. Um, and actually, Kyler Murray is now, but Josh Allen's there, right there, close second. So he's, I'm still banking on him being a top three quarterback the rest of the way. All right, so let's talk about guys you actually should add on waivers. Um, and I think the first guy that comes to mind is Jameis Winston, uh, five touchdown passes against Green Bay. Um, what do you think of, of Jameis and how does he compare to, uh, I think my favorite ad is probably Tyrod. You also have Taylor Heineke, who's going to start against the Giants. Um, so where are you on Jameis compared to some of the other options? Yeah, I mean, that's he was going off in the game that I'm saying we should just throw it away. Um, because Jameis Winston is going to have that very high ceiling, which we saw, but you know, any given week he come crashing down and Taysom Hill can still replace him. Um, I do feel a lot better about Jameis after week one though, of course. Um, but I'd be careful with him. Um, and I am projecting him. Um, he's my QB 17 heading into week two. We'll, we'll have to see how that works out. You know, he didn't get to throw that many pass attempts and he ended up with five touchdowns. 
So I think he, we could expect more yards. We can definitely expect more yards from him going forward, but that touchdown rate is certainly going to regress. So he's a guy that I, I'd be careful just going all in and starting him over Ryan Tannehill this week. Um, but definitely make sure he's not available because if he figures it out under Sean Payton um, and he really has limited, you know, turnover where he throws, I don't think he's thrown one yet um, this season, including the preseason. So if he figures it out this year, you know, he could absolutely be a QB one. Um, so he's definitely worth an ad. So there's a lot of streaming options this week. I think Tyrod, I think both quarterbacks in that Cleveland Houston game, uh, Tyrod going against Cleveland and, and then Baker Mayfield going against Houston. Uh, both of those guys could be interesting. Um, and then, you know, is there any, there's no real interest in Heineke. Uh, I don't think like, are, are, I mean, it should be a low scoring game against the giants and the giants actually had their the Washington's number last year. Yeah. I think Heineke would be an ad for the rest of the season. It seems like Ryan Fitzmagic is going to be out for a long, long time. So I think you would add Heineke in a two QB super flex league where you want him for multiple weeks. Um, if you're hurting at quarterback, but yeah, he's not to play this week necessarily giants, a pretty tough matchup should be a low scoring Thursday night football game. Um, I like Teddy Bridgewater this week. Oh yeah. Against the Jaguars right now. He's QB 13, probably going to lower that, but he's more of a high floor option. Um, it certainly doesn't help that Jerry Judy is going to be out four to six weeks. I'm sure we'll talk about the receiving situation in a bit, but he does have a ton of weapons there. Um, so I think he's another good safe streaming option where he'd give you, you know, solid QB two numbers this week against the Jaguars. Yeah, Teddy stands out. Uh, that's the guy I meant to, to mention because I thought he looked good. I thought he mm-hmm. I thought he looked good against the Giants, a, a defense that's pretty well schemed, pretty tough to play. Uh, he made some great second reaction plays and things like that. And he was hitting guys. It wasn't just Judy. You know, he was hitting mm-hmm. he was hitting the, the the tight ends. He was getting the ball down. I mean, he, KJ Hamler dropped something like a 50, 60 yard touchdown. Uh, on on a great throw from Bridgewater. So he was making the right reads. He was moving around well. I thought he was making some second reaction plays. He wasn't just a robot. So, and and Jacksonville, by the way, I mean, quick, any quick reactions on this Jacksonville dumpster fire, which (laughs) was obviously, like, no one wanted to, like, admit it. Like, everyone was kind of like, oh, Houston's going to be that one team. But here, lo and behold, Jacksonville's going to be the reason why everyone has a low strength of schedule, (laughs) more than Houston, maybe. Yeah, that was that was pretty bad, but, but we did kind of call it. We were saying, yeah. you know, take the Texans here, but that was really bad. Um, you know, Trevor Lawrence made some bad decisions. Um, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, he's going to figure it out, but it might take a couple games. So, yeah, this, this Jaguars team is a team that we want to attack in terms of fantasy, especially, you know, streaming defenses right now. Uh, but that was that was not pretty. They do look like they're going to be a pretty pass-heavy team, though. So I'm still interested in guys like Lavisca Chenault, um, even DJ Chark and Marvin Jones look good. So um, I'm still interested in the wide receivers. But outside of that, um, yeah, th- this team looks really, really bad. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I think you know an underrated guy, maybe a little deeper, because um, I don't expect it to be a, a big pass-heavy game script. But Mac Jones uh, looked pretty good, and the Jets defense. I think Mac Jones is already better than Sam Darnold. And so uh, there's a chance that just on pure efficiency, he could go off for like three touchdowns. I just don't think the Patriots have to throw 39 times again. I don't think the Jets are going to be able to uh, kind of stay in front of them like the Dolphins did. But Mac Jones, get him on the radar because he might be really good. I, I love some of the ball placement. Did you get to see any of Mac? 
Yeah, I had the Dolphins plus three and a half, so I was watching that game pretty closely. And, yeah, that that defense is really good against rookie quarterbacks. They like to disguise coverages and blitzes. Um, So that was a really tough matchup for Mac Jones to start. Um, This week, I don't think he's going to have to throw that much for them to win. So I agree. I think when when we get to a game where we're going to expect a more pass-heavy game script, Mac Jones looked really, really good. So, um, yeah, he's a guy you certainly want to add in deeper leagues. Yeah, like I, he's a stash guy almost because, like, the thing is that Dolphins defense, you know, good secondary, but this is a week where, like, they might not have to throw, but Mac Jones could go like Jameis Winston. Like, he could go like yeah. <laughs> 18 of 23 for like four touchdowns. And and then everyone's going to add him regardless. So, right. you might as well kind of get a week ahead of that just because I, th- I mean, I saw some of the throws I saw out of him and just the poise. I think he's going to be good. So and that's, that's a good point because it's going to have to come from touchdowns. He's probably not going to throw a ton of 300 yard yeah. passing games. He's not going to rush for much. So, you know, unfortunately it's going to come down to touchdown luck, but certainly, you know, two to three touchdown games for him should happen soon. But yeah, the thing with him, he does have limited upside uh, just because the, the Patriots probably won't need to throw that much this year. If the defense is, as good as I think they'll be. And um, yeah, no rushing upside to speak of. He's he's definitely more of a high floor, two QB super flex kind of quarterback in my eyes. Or he's Tom Brady. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Tom Brady I mean, did it with no rushing on New England, right? That's and no what receiver. We're hoping for, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it was a good start is all I'm saying. I mean, yes. even though they lost the game, I just thought it was a really good start for, yep. for Mac. And on all the rookie quarterbacks. I mean, we don't really, everyone's already added Fields and Lance, but, you know, Lance throws a touchdown. Fields gets in the end. I mean, it was a good, <laughs> it was a good start for these guys. Um, Zach Wilson yep. comes back late um, and, and shows some good stuff. You know, Lawrence, I think, maybe the most disappointing just because you had the turnovers. You had, you lost to a team that we, we expected you to beat. Um, but yeah, I thought generally speaking, it was a pretty good showing for the rookies. Uh, but what, speaking of Lawrence, let's go to running back here and, and James Robinson. I want to I, I want to start with him actually because um, I just I, I, five carries to Ch- Carlos Hyde's nine. I know that Houston got up out in front of Jacksonville, but it seemed like the game plan from the jump was going to be very pass heavy. Any thoughts on Robinson? Are we because I mean we love Robinson heading into the year. We thought he would just go back to doing what he was doing. I mean they were throwing to him a little bit here and there, but it just didn't seem like he was given that kind of respect that he deserved from the coaching staff, given what he did last year. Yeah, this was not a good start for James Robinson. He was my RB six this week. So that was a huge fail on my part. And I said like, look, he's probably going to go off this week, sell high because he's probably going to settle in as a low to, uh, you know, low mid range RB two. I thought, because I, I pointed out, many times that there were about 11 games last year where no other running back um, had a carry. And I just thought, you know, Carlos Hyde's going to be a pretty competent backup. He's going to have a bigger role than any other running back last year. So I was kind of worried about Robinson in that regard, but this was bad. Like if you can't have um, a good game against the Texans, you're in big trouble. Uh, Carlos Hyde, like you said, he outrushed him. The only positive, the only positive was Robinson did run around 63% of the time. I think he will be that pass catching back, which is good news because his Jaguars team is going to be terrible. Um, so, you know, PPR f- uh, formats, he probably does have RB2 value, but yeah, this, this looks really bad. I don't know. I don't even know if you can sell high at this point. I don't know who's going to take him, but uh, he's, he's more of a low end RB2 um, going forward. I, I fear. 46 snaps to Carlos Hyde's 25. 36 pass plays to Carlos Hyde's 14. Um, so it was just a carry. So you really, 
there's 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 this potential for turnaround here, but there's a uh, lot more uncertainty yeah. than, than we thought about like coming into the year. So you would think um, Carlos Hyde would factor in a little bit more if the Jaguars had a positive game script. So it's really scary that Carlos Hyde was disinvolved and what was pretty much a blowout. So it's definitely panic time. Yeah, and and definitely add Hyde if like you're you know running backs. You, we know how uh, tough it is to find those guys. So. I mean, for now, you have a guy that was leading his backfield and carries in week one. I think he's worse than ad. Uh, and maybe not as much as Elijah Mitchell. I think you do have to add Elijah Mitchell as that priority guy. And I don't know if you want to even buy low on Trey Sermon because he, how Shanahan said, the reason Sermon was a healthy scratch was Mitchell beat him out and Jermichael Hasty beat him out. So you have a rookie. And a, a fellow rookie who had West draft pedigree. That's a bad sign. And you had a guy that was already in the system for a year that a lot of people had like fifth or sixth on the depth chart. And they, and they also had another veteran in Wayne Gallman that they released and Sermon still couldn't climb the chart. So like, I don't, I said at the beginning of the year, like this is 49ers <laughs> back, but we're not going to know, but I'm, I'm, I'm going Mitchell here. Well, okay. yeah. I, especially after week one, I, I don't blame you. Um, and we kind of called this heading into the season. I said, uh, you know, it's always the running back we least expect to be the guy that goes off in this backfield. And sure enough, week one, it's already happened. Trey Sermon was inactive. And you did make a good point that you don't even want to be involved in this headache week to week and trying to figure out who the hell it's going to be. Because I wouldn't be surprised if Trey Sermon plays this week, gets 20 touches, and is, you know, borderline RB1. Like, would not surprise me at all. Um, but yeah, right now, Elijah Mitchell, you should probably use your number one waiver um, just because you, it, we typically don't see backup running backs as much on the waiver wire anymore. So I think now's the time to add a guy like this um, because he might be this year's Jeff Wilson from last year. So I think he's definitely worth the flyer. But again, you called it. It's going to be a week to week decision. It's going to be very volatile. But I think that the fact that Moser is out, it sounds like eight plus games. Um, it does make me want to invest in this and try to figure it out. So I think if you can buy low on Trey Sermon, I'm talking about like uh, RB3, RB4 value. I don't think you can get that, but I would definitely be interested in buying low on Sermon just because he does have that massive upside. Uh, but this is going to be very tricky week to week. Yeah, I'm, I'm off Sermon. Like I, I just think, I think coming into the year, we were just going on draft pedigree. I think the fact that we knew he was fourth on the depth chart, like that's, that's a lot of guys to pass. Like, yeah, Raheem Mostert always gets hurt. But, like, for the rest of yeah. these guys, I mean, now you're just betting on injuries. So I don't think it's – like, I would just go all in on on Mitchell. And, you know, Hasty would kind of be the guy having the holster. Like, I, I think the fact that we know he was number three on the depth chart, the fact that we know they were willing to make him a scratch, that doesn't bode well for any time, in, like, in terms of, like, a, a waiver ad. Like, if, if another couple guys go down, sure. But, yeah, I, I don't – I, I just think that was a really bad sign. Um, let's go to Houston. Mark Ingram <laughs> knew it might be disgusting, but he had 26 carries. Uh, Ingram, 36 snaps. David Johnson, 22. Philip Lindsay, 20. Rex Burke had 10. So there were a lot of snaps going on. Like there's, this was a high volume play game for Jacksonville. Uh, so Ingram still played under uh, half of the total snaps, but uh, so I don't think he's a priority the same way Mitchell is because I don't think that line is good. I don't think Ingram is as good. Um, so I, I I think Ingram's more of a sell high. Uh, what, what do you think? Absolutely sell high. Um, the Texans aren't going to provide too many 
game scripts like this going forward. I think Ingram definitely took advantage of, you know, the Texans blowing out the Jaguars. Um, so he's absolutely a sell high, but it, you know, I think he is their starting running back going forward and like probably the most valuable back to own right now there. But, you know, if you could flip them for basically anybody that's startable, I would do it. Yeah. I mean, you had, you had four backs working in that just creates, you know, from like just a mathematical standpoint, the variance <laughs> increases like a, yeah. another like 25% over the other back backfields. Yeah. And th- like this week <laughs> at Cleveland, right. They're 12 point dot, what, 12 point dot. Like, do you really think Mark Ingram's getting 23 carries? Absolutely not. So okay. six I, carries eight yards, no touchdowns. Pretty much. That's, I was going to say almost a similar line. So yeah, this is absolutely a sell high situation with Mark Ingram. Zach Moss droppable. Yes. Healthy scratch. Get him out of here next. So you're just healthy week one scratch. You're done with them. Done. I mean, in in terms of like, he, he, like we, we always say, right. Like you, you always do a good point of pointing this out. Like always stash your bench with high upside running backs. Like now that we've seen week one and we know where these guys are in the depth chart, there's just better op- – like, Mark Ingram's still a better option than Zach Moss because he's playing nearly half the snaps in the backfield, right? Like, Zach Moss is essentially – because he's not playing special teams, he's fourth on the depth chart. Like, they were using Isaiah McKenzie in the backfield, and they seem fine yeah. with him. So, yeah, I – like, Cordell Patterson, next he's, guy up. Uh, I would add him over because he's – he's they're, op- they're using him as their true RB2 there. So, it's like he's – worth more in the immediate future, which is what you're kind of doing with these waiver ads. Anyway, you should have your starters already. So you're just looking for guys that like, okay, bye weeks come up, guys go down. I just need guys to plug and play. And Zach Moss might just be a zero, a goose egg for as long as we know. So. Yeah, uh, I, I, I agree. But if, if Singletary were to miss time, do you, don't you think Zach Moss would be like an RB three flex at least? Or you, yeah, are you now part of the Matt Breida fan club with me? Well, I mean, the fact that Breida was active over him doesn't spell – is not – because Breida's yeah. also a better pass-catching back. So, that like, again, this is a it's like how we get into trouble with these assumptions in the first place. It's more excusable, I think, after week – before week one because we're just using our educated guesses, right? But now it's like we know what these coaches are thinking. They've, they've showed their hand. So, like, Matt, let's say Singletary goes down. We might say, oh, plug Zach Moss in. And the coaches may be thinking, okay, Matt Breed did two thirds of the snaps, Moss one third. Right. right? So, I, yeah, like to me, it's just, I just don't think it's worth it. I think you go with the, you go with what you know here. Cause it's, it's you're like, like a high upside bench guy would be a guy like, you know, like a, 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 a Patterson. It's like, I like still the guys I like the talent with, but, but that at least will be active. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want a guy that could be a scratch. Like, that just, that's, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Patterson, what did you think of him? Got got more yards than Mike Davis, even though he got about half yeah. as many carries. But talk about another semi. This is you know not as surprising as Trey Sermon or Zach Moss, but Wayne Gallman being inactive was a bit of a surprise. And yeah, Cordell Patterson is the number two back, but they were using him as a true gadget player. He's lined up everywhere. I think he lined up in the slot a bit. This Falcons offense looks completely different. They ran a bunch of two tight end sets. Uh, so, you know, Cordell Patterson could be the sort of Swiss Army knife we've expected him to be his entire career. He might actually have a breakout season. So if if Mike Davis were to go down, Patterson would be the guy, it seems, that would potentially become, you know, a RB3 kind of flex option. So, yeah, I'm all for swapping Patterson out. If you have Zach Moss uh, dropping him for Cordell Patterson, I can certainly get behind that. Yeah. Uh, in the Jets backfield. Uh, Disaster. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to look at the snaps right now just so I could. Okay, so we had te- – t- oh, so I, I I called this in my 
I'm doing like a little weekly uh, matchups column <laughs> for all the Sunday games now. Um, and uh, it'll be on actionnetwork.com uh, coming out Saturday. So look out for that. But I, I called this Ty. I said, Ty Johnson, he's, if there's going to be a high end approach, like I was on Michael Carter earlier in the off season, but obviously we got negative news <laughs> on him. I was like, yo, Ty Johnson would probably be the guy. Lo and behold, he plays 35 snaps, Tevin Coleman, 17, Michael Carter, 16. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm actually like, I would, I would rather have a guy like Ty Johnson on my roster than a Zach Moss who's going to be inactive at least, or could be inactive just because I think Ty Johnson actually has shown things in the past. I think he's had some, he's added some explosiveness. Um, you know, so I'm fine with Ty Johnson. Tevin Coleman had nine carries Johnson at eight, I believe it was, but I could see that switching because Johnson's kind of the main pass back. Um, any thoughts on that? First of all, I, this, this is a nightmare. If there were any backfield to kind of, avoid right now would be the Jets. The, the offensive line was brutal and Mekhi Becton is going to be out multiple yeah. weeks now. So it's like, do we really want to invest in a three-way timeshare behind a horrible offensive line on a horrible team? Probably not. Uh, but all, we were saying that Michael Carter probably going to start the year off really, really slow, really bad. So he, he could get dropped um, in your league. And I think by the end of the year, Michael Carter will probably be leading this backfield. So he's still a guy that I'd keep my eye on long-term, but right now I want nothing to do with this. Yeah. I mean, I think Ty Johnson and Michael Carter are the two best backs in that backfield. Um, so I'm, mm-hmm. again, this is, this is just for people that need are in a pinch in week one, um, going into week two. I mean, I don't think it'll yeah. be a great game, but it um, like matchup against new England, but the jets will probably be behind, which means more snaps for Johnson who played 20 pass snaps to Carter's 10 and Coleman's five. Yeah. So I just think short-term Ty Johnson, I think he's the, he's clearly the leader from the snap counts, leading pass down back PPR league. If you need somebody, uh, he's the guy. Let's go to uh, anything else with running back. We, we good on that? Do we miss anything? We're good. We'll cover a lot more tomorrow, but I think we're good for now. Yeah. So as we mentioned, we're you know doing a fantasy flex five days a week now. Sean and I uh, three times a week. You know, we have the main big matchup by matchup episode uh, coming out tomorrow, and then late in the week we'll have our props episode. Uh, so let's go to wide receiver and, and tight end. These guys, this is a less important um, position. I think usually you're looking for quarterback streamers or running backs, but uh, I didn't get a chance to look at the route numbers yet. How did it break out between KJ Hamler and Tim Patrick in that Giants Broncos game? Cause we know Jerry Judy's going to be out for a month or more. So Hamler finished with 50% routes run and okay. Patrick was 65%. Okay. But Patrick was getting playing time and targets before yep. Judy went down. I mean, it looks like Bridgewater loves Tim Patrick. So we were kind of calling that before the year started. Like if, if anybody goes down, Tim Patrick's probably the guy to add. But KJ Hamler has just massive upside. So I, I think, you know, both guys are definitely worth adding in your league. Um, but it, it seemed like Tim Patrick was like going to be the guy that's going to see over 80% of the routes this week. So he's probably the biggest beneficiary. And then of course, you know, Cortland, Cortland Sutton um, could see more targets be, become a more consistent fancy starter. But um, yeah, those were the, the routes 50% and 65%. Yeah. I, I think it's still Patrick number one for me, as much as I love the second year breakout appeal of a guy like Hamler. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did drop like a 50, 60 yard touchdown, but that's the point. Like there's a, <laughs> there's a non-zero chance that when Jerry Judy's not out there, that Tim Patrick is the best Bronco receiver. Like he's mm-hmm. a, he's he's a very unsung player. Uh, last season, he had five for one nineteen, six for one thirteen in a touch, and four for one one. He had three hundred yard games last year. I'm, a lot of people don't remember he's, that. He's the Zach Pascal 
for yeah. the Broncos. And he might be better. Like, I mean, Pascal's well, better. He gets he's better. Open, but like Tim Patrick, I think yeah. is actually a pretty good receiver that mm-hmm. the Broncos just happen to have a somewhat of a uh, embarrassment of riches at that position. But, you know, they also have a lot of injuries. So uh, Patrick was, and then in addition to those 300 yard games, he also had another multi touchdown game uh, mixed in. And uh, so he was a pretty valuable receiver all things considered that he was free last year 51 catches 742 yards and six touchdowns uh in 15 games so um Tim Patrick would be the guy that I would expect uh, that I would be willing to kind of take a flyer on Marquez Callaway did nothing in week one uh I think he's still playable I just don't I think it was like the, the matchup but I'm I do worry a little bit that the Saints will be a lower volume pass pass offense what do you think yeah, I was definitely worried about Callaway going into the season and week one because of the matchup with J.R. Alexander. But, you know, given how good Jameis Winston looked, and it does look like, you know, he has a lot more job security going forward, I think that does help Callaway. And, you know, matchup against the Panthers, he could break loose for a couple big plays. Um, he's still kind of right up there on that wide receiver three flex fringe for me. Um, so I wouldn't panic necessarily to week one I already kind of thought he was going to struggle week one um so you know I he might be a buy low candidate honestly um and this is coming from somebody that was probably bearish on him going in the season I, I just think with Jameis Winston looking as good as he did uh that's kind of why I, I'm still believing in Callaway yeah and then first some uh, context Callaway 88 percent of, of routes run uh Deontay Harris was second on the team with just 60 I ever yeah, seen and they didn't they didn't have to throw much either. So yep. going forward, that's it's gonna bounce back the other way. Yeah, the routes are there for Callaway. Um, so yeah, I, I would still I would still be comfortable using him. Uh any love for anything outside of Lamb and Cooper in Dallas with Michael Gallup expected to miss a month or more. Uh Cedric Wilson seemed like the guy to, to take over. Dallas has kind of supported three wide receivers in the past. No, Cedric Wilson all the way for me. I'm still, pardon me, I'm still mourning the loss of Michael Gallup. That that's a really <laughs> tough blow for me. Um he looked really good when he was in the game, but I just think it's going to be more Mari Cooper, more C Lamb. Um and you know Cedric Wilson, I'm still projecting him like three and a half catches a game going forward. So he's he's definitely a good guy to add in deeper leagues for sure. Uh, I mean, most of these guys should be rostered, but any thoughts on Kirk, Pascal, Deontay Harris, Harris, 60% of the routes, that's probably not enough. Um, but what about, what do you think about Kirk and Pascal? I think Kirk, uh, might is worth kind of keeping around here because that Cardinal is going to be like a four deep Cardinal offense going to be a four deep offense. And Kirk was always a guy that was running, you know, like 80, 90% of, of, of routes as it was. I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but yeah, it's, he's the guy that stands out to me. Yeah, and he might be a sell-high guy, even though I I kind of favored him out of this trio behind Hopkins because I thought, you know, Rondale Moore is going to see his targets, but he has a, a lower ceiling just based on his playing style. And then A.J. Green probably just going to run a ton of routes um, and maybe distract the defenders. So I thought Kirk could have a sneaky good season, but – Week one, he scores two touchdowns, so I think he's going to be overrated. And he only ran 60% of oh, the Oh, yeah, routes. yeah, that, so that's and, down. Yeah, because he was 80-90 last year. A.J. Green ran 90% of the routes. So you kind of – and Rondell Moore only ran 40% of the routes, and he was a target monster. So he saw a target 36% of the time 
he was running her out. So if you figure, I, I don't know why he wouldn't, his routes run should go over 50, I would say, by this week. Um, that's going to hurt Kirk long-term. Um, even if Kirk sees a spike in routes run, I think just A.J. Green, they made it clear. he want, They want him on the field, uh, you know, pretty much 85, 90% of the time. So I, I would say sell high on Kirk. It's still a mess behind Hopkins, and it, it does look like Ronald Moore could be that sneaky guy that I think will, you know, his value is only going to go up. Yeah, I love Moore. Moore is, Moore is the, I think, the queer ad. I'm holding Kirk, though. Like, I think Green is the guy that it'll take a few games and they'll realize that he was the mm. same exact thing <laughs> that he was last year. I mean, I saw one of the, he had a, this end zone target where it just seemed like the defender was literally, like, you know when you play Madden and, like, like you're you're you have like the the computer turned up all the way to all Madden. Like it just seemed like the defender was like twice as fast as AJ Green and just like batted a touchdown potential touchdown away from him. Um, yeah, I think he's the guy. I th- I think they're gonna real because Kirk can play on the outside. So yep. I think they you can kind of more is gonna be that gadget um, kind of slot. You know he can play everywhere too. But I think they're gonna kind of scheme him things. But Kirk, you could just kick him outside on you know, in, in like two wide sets and, and bring green off the bench. So I think green is a guy, if he puts up any kind of stats, I'm selling him. I'm probably, I'd probably drop him even now. And I'd rather have Kirk because I don't think green yeah. is going to continue. And even if it does, he's not, he might not do anything. So um, low on AJ green. Uh, and then in Detroit, I mean, we saw every wide receiver play because Tyrell Williams, uh, you mentioned that he, he was out there every snap, but then he goes down. And so we see like every wide receiver, here uh, we still how do we feel about Amon Ross St. Brown now that we've seen a, a you know one game he was he ran up 50 uh, routes on 71 pass plays for Detroit yeah it wasn't too great not gonna lie um, I expected probably a lot more out of him um, but we'll have to see what's up with Tyrell Williams I think if he is out I, I think St. Brown will eventually be you know the the guy well, the guy in the wide receiver room. Um, however, I, I think we've said this a million times by now, but this is TJ Hawkinson's yeah. offense. I, if anything, just I'm all about TJ Hawkinson and then just kind of the scraps left over for the receivers I'm ignoring right now. Um, it was kind of a mess. You had guys like Khalif Raymond um, lead the team in routes run. Uh, Quintez Cephas did look good in his limited playing time. So just it's kind of a mess for the wide receivers. Um I just hope you got TJ Hawkinson. Like I said, uh, he, he looked really good. So I think going forward, TJ Hawkinson, TJ Hawkinson is going to be the only pass catcher I'm interested outside of uh, DeAndre Swift, of course. He looked really good as a pass catcher, but out of the wide receiver tight end room, uh, I'm all about Hawkinson. Oh, yeah, and, and also, if you drafted Jamal Williams, forget oh, Swift. Yeah. Like, uh, good call on that because, like, that was yeah. – I know he was, like, one of those – like, if I was doing, like, a hero running back or, like, a zero RB best ball, like, I was getting a lot of him. and But I, I didn't know what to think. Um, so I'm actually really happy in, in Jamal Williams too. Yeah, did, uh, um, so Goff dumped it off to them. Uh, 20 targets yeah. to those running backs. And, like, and then that's Hawkinson a got another Goff. Yep. 10. Yeah. That's so. a Jared Goff offense, I guess. Yeah, but he was competent, you know, like it wasn't like he was terrible. So yeah. Um Juwan Johnson, shouts to our guy Raheem Palmer with the tenth what was it, tenth round pick? 11, I think 12, 12 round? right after I took Dallas Goddard. <laughs> it was still too early, but it worked. Uh two touchdowns for Johnson and uh on two catches. So like what do you do with him now? Is he a, is he an ad? Is he a, a sell if you have him? Like, how do you approach this given that uh you know he pretty much did the best 
possible that he could do, <laughs> but he ran a route on only 10 of 25 dropbacks. That's just 40%. Less yeah, than so, Adam Troutman, by the way, who was who 18 uh, of 25 or uh, 72%. Seven, 75% for Troutman. So I think that's going to be more sustainable. Uh, it would not surprise me if this is Juwan Johnson's best game. So that's typically you want to sell high. But, you know, the, the targets are wide open right now without Michael Thomas. So we talked about Marquez Callaway struggling in week one. Uh, so guys like Juwan Johnson, they still do have upside. He could, we don't know, he could end up running over 50% of the routes this week after his good performance. So he's not necessarily, you know, a drop right now, uh, especially after catching two touchdowns. But if you want to flip him for somebody, um, I would certainly do it. Troutman did look like, you know, he's going to be the leading pass catcher. Um, like we said, 75% of routes run. That's really high for a tight end. Granted, there weren't that many passing attempts to go around, but I think Troutman is still the guy I'm projecting uh, for more targets out of this tight end group. And remember, this still generally has to be a run-heavy offense just because they don't have Michael Thomas. They don't have Traquan mm-hmm. Smith. Uh, the way the tight end snaps broke down was Adam Troutman, 51, Garrett Griffin, 17, Juwan Johnson, 12. So uh, in weeks, you know, there could be weeks – like this, where, you know, Johnson doesn't catch those two touchdowns. He straight up goose eggs. So, yeah, I, I would definitely mm-hmm. – um, I mean, he, I think he's going to earn his way into more time as well because he's just a good pass catcher. He's a f- converted wideout. Yep. Um, but I would I would hold if I couldn't sell. I wouldn't drop, I, but I would hold. Right. Because I think there is that outside chance that he turns into, like, Logan Thomas or Darren Waller just because there is – there's an opening here. But at the same time, I think the best thing you could possibly do is use those two touchdowns to get, like – someone a little more useful, um, you know, and, and mm-hmm. kind of guy reliable, I guess I, I should say, but, um, and, and Tony Jones, I forgot to mention him at running back. He played 35% of the snaps, 40, uh, 22 to Alvin Kamara's 46. So um, no other halfback played. That's good news from Jones. If you, you know, you kind of penciled him into that Latavius Murray role, he's mm-hmm. in it and he, and he graded out really well in PFF too. So um, yeah, Tony Jones, make sure he's not available uh, in your league. Uh, all right. Now it is time. Uh, oh, one more, uh, any, real quick, Mike Gesicki, no catches. Um, Patriots usually do a good job of taking away key guys. Seemed like Gesicki was the guy over a waddle. Um, but any, are you panicked yet on, on Mike Gesicki? Yeah, I'm, I'm panicking. Uh, he ran around 60% of the time. That's not ideal. Uh, they're going to get Will Fuller back this week. More competition for targets in an offense that I don't think is going to throw a ton. Um, it was pretty dink and dunk. That could have been just, you know, facing the Patriots. But since Gesicki was kind of on that, tight end one, two fringe. Anyway, he kind of falls into the waiver wire territory now. So yeah, I'm definitely panicking on Gesicki. Yeah. I'd keep him. I I'd do it like a wait and see week just because the Patriots and week one, I think there's a certain way of, you know, when it's, when you talk about guys on the field, I, I, I'll give them another week. Like the guys I'm really worried about are the guys that are straight up scratches, but yeah, yeah. I think I made a joke over the, the off season with Rich Rebar that like Durham Smythe would be like, the guy that gets catches for the Dolphins, and I'm pretty sure, and just more about as many routes as uh, Gasecki. Yeah. So yeah. that he's one. Of, he's, every <laughs> once in a while, there's just some guys on the on these teams that like don't get talked about, but that teams just like. And like Durham Smythe is obviously one of them. But uh, all right, now we're gonna do our prize picks elite entry segment, and let's do it for this Monday night uh, Baltimore Raiders game. It's in Vegas. Uh, who do you like for your prize pick entry for tonight's action? Tyson Williams to go over 62 and a half rushing yards. Um, obviously, you know, one of the main storylines going in this game is J.K. Dobbins on IR, Gus Edwards on IR. So 
this is Tyson Williams' backfield, I guess, until Latavius Murray and potentially Le'Veon Bell learn the offense. But that's why I do like the over tonight. I think this is a very challenging offense um, to learn in a week. You know, they run that complicated zone read play with Lamar Jackson um, that Tyson has at least had the offseason to practice with. So I think he gets a lion's shares of carries tonight. Um, they kind of let him audition for the rest of the season, and he puts up over 70 rushing yards, I'll say, tonight. So I do like this number up to about uh, 64, 65 and a half. Yeah, Tyson has to be there. Weed back at least for a week. Everyone else in that backfield really hasn't been with the team. Uh, you made a great point that Lamar Jackson, there's a chemistry aspect to that because you have all the, that option stuff where he can put it in your belly and then take it out. So uh, remember last year they had the center issues with, with Skura and, and Jackson. So you don't want to have the so handoff issues. So Williams has had a great camp. I think for at least one week, he is a kind of a low end running back too, or a flex. And then we'll, we'll kind of go from there. Maybe he could play himself into more work and, and fend off Murray. But for my prize pick elite entry, I'm going with Hunter Renfro under 37 and a half receiving yards. Uh, I do think that Baltimore will play stout defense, get them into some third and Renfro. But remember, even with Marcus Peters uh, out on the perimeter, they're getting Tavon Young back. Uh, he's really good in the slot. Marlon Humphrey can play inside in the slot. So I, I think you're really going against some of the class of the uh, league in terms of guys that can cover Renfro, who has made you know some guys look silly in the past. But uh, this is a low dot player going against a tough defense. And uh, he could catch like five balls, five, six balls and still go over this number. So I have his median just under 30. So I would bet this down to 32 uh, and bet he doesn't get, you know, more than like four receptions for you know, eight yards a pop or something like that. So Hunter Renfro under 37 and a half uh, for me. And uh, that is going to wrap up our prize pick elite entry. So again, Sean going with Tyson Williams, the Ravens running back over 62 and a half rushing yards. And I am going with, Raiders slot receiver Hunter Renfro under 37 and a half receiving yards. All right. And that is going to wrap it up for our week two waiver episode. You can find Sean on Twitter at the underscore odds maker. You can find me on Twitter at Chris Raybon, and you can find all of our fantasy content at actionnetwork.com, uh, our DFS stuff at fantasylabs.com and all of our articles and bets in the award-winning action network app make sure you subscribe to the fantasy flex feed again giving you an episode every weekday this season uh, that's why we got the new feed so please uh, it would help us out if you made sure to subscribe to that uh, if you could leave us a rating and review that we also love that so um until we see you guys tomorrow with our matchups episode let's get this money <laughs>